CR101radio.com, podcasts, and more. Follow us on our parent network, CR101 Radio, on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Gab, and YouTube. And you can subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform so that you never miss an episode. Visit cr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for these links. Okay, well, welcome back, everybody. This is episode number 26 in the last episode of our first official season of Preschool Pioneers. And it is entitled, Z is for Zoolatry. The dangers of teaching children that animals are equal to humans, and most often, even more important. Well, this is a very big milestone here on Preschool Pioneers. The 26th episode of our rebranding of Preschool Pioneers of our first season and we are very happy to be hitting this big milestone. We're going to be moving on to season number two very soon with 26 more unique episodes, all discussing why Christians should become teachers. Because this podcast is for Christian parents and Christian teachers and why they are so important. Let's start this episode, as we always like to do, by asking the question, why Christians should become teachers? Well, Christians should become teachers because there is a systematic global effort to convince children that they are nothing more than evolved animals, an effort to devalue and debase them as creatures made in the image of God and divorce them from their divine purpose and their divine responsibilities. I know zeolatry sounds like a really big word. It sounds like idolatry, and you put the word zoo in front of it, but that's exactly what it is, idolatry of animals, or rather the definition is the deification of animals. I know some people are going to say, how stupid is that? Who deifies animals? Who treats animals like gods? I mean, sure, you might have some people who revere animals, like the Hindus, who they won't eat cows. You have other people who won't eat pigs, and you have dietary things. But who would deify creatures, animals? I mean, this isn't the old times. Back in the times of ignorance and other stuff, not the non-scientific era, yes, you had people making things like they did in the days of Israel, the shape of a cow and making statues, but we are in an enlightened era. This isn't a problem for our modern times or our children. There aren't people in the American culture currently doing this. This is ridiculous. Why would you bother talking about this concept? Well, besides the fact, of course, it starts with the letter Z, and it had to have something that goes with the letter Z. But if you also look up other definitions for deification, you have other words which are synonyms, like the word elevation, exaltation, glorification, idolization, or even veneration. And you can, of course, look up those perspective definitions if you'd like. 
To elevate something above its current status is a form of deification. To exalt something more than its necessary position is a form of deification. To glorify something as if it is always wonderful, always pure, always good, of course, is a form of deification. Idolization, of course, is a simple one, something that you absolutely revere, which is, of course, veneration, which it can do no wrong. Now, I know this sounds a little bit silly to some people, but this is going to come together. Stick with me for a second here, shall we? Let's go through some of our points, and I'm going to show you how in our culture, our children are being robbed of their Christian birthright. Mankind is, really. By our own fault, of course. We are kind of like the prodigal son. We had a good father, and we gave up what he was going to give us, our inheritance as sons of God. And we went into the pigsty. We climbed in with the pigs. We became sick and disgusting with all the pigs. We lost everything that made us who we were, our position, our power, everything that made us wonderful because of who we were, our birthright. And we gave that all up to roll around with pigs. And that's kind of what the current modern world want for us and really what mankind has always wanted for mankind. Christians have the job, parents have the job, teachers have the job of bringing back children's dignity that they have under God, their position that they have under God, the elevated position that we have. Mankind is not an animal. He's a creature, to be sure, but he is one with dominion and responsibility and power. Let's go through some points. People are usually more concerned about saving animals' lives than they are human lives. This isn't hard to see. I won't get into the concept of abortion, but that is one giant thing people like to talk about all the time, and it is a major problem. Human babies are slaughtered 600,000 per day. I forgot what the numbers are. They're staggering. And they just argue, well, it's not a child, so it's okay. Now, of course, they know it's a child. We don't have to get into that kind of argument. We all know it's a lie. But you dare, here in Florida in particular where I'm at, and you dare go onto the beach and you go near sea turtle nest. And they'll they even have people, their jobs are to go up there and put signs to let you know that sea turtles are in the area. And if you dare touch one of those nests or disturb it, you're going to jail. Imagine if somebody was out there just stepping on them or going to cook them up. You are in for a terrible punishment at the hands of the United States government. This is illegal. These eggs are protected. If you messed with the eggs of the bald eagle here, especially anywhere in the United States, you are in so much trouble. See, though they're eggs, we know that those are sea turtles and they're little sea turtle babies. And we know that those are little eggs. Those are bald eagles, even though they have not hatched yet. So, the same logic doesn't work for humans, however, because they have elevated the children of eagles and sea turtles above that of humans. 
They've exalted them and their importance beyond us. They've venerated their lives more than the lives of humans. This is what they're teaching in schools, that the lives of animals are more important than yours. They are. People, when they see a turtle crossing the road, will stop their car. They will run out, grab the little turtle, make sure he's safe and secure. The little turtle has got to be saved. But then they will curse at little children as they're walking down the street, and their mothers in the grocery stores. They don't care about children at all. But better not mess with the little turtles as they're walking down the road. The other point I have is kind of just touched on a little bit about civil laws that protect animals from death or even from relocation. Like their habitats, you cannot relocate those, or you cannot destroy those habitats or their homes. They are elevated to such an extent and venerated animals are and where they live that laws all over the place. You cannot build, you cannot uh, upgrade your buildings if there are certain animals in the, er in the area. It could be bald eagles, it could be uh, gopher turtles is a big one where here in Florida we have gopher turtles where they dig holes. And you cannot destroy those habitats. You have to get a special kind of permission to relocate them into a, a preserve of sorts. Near one of my schools, there is a gopher turtle preserve. And you've got to get permission to do that. And you're not allowed to mess with them or you can't definitely can't kill them. These animals are protected animals. They are more important. Their homes are more important than your homes. In fact, what you'll hear if a bear comes into your area, they'll say that you're encroaching on their area, their habitats have been endangered, and they're coming into yours. They don't care if the animal comes in and even mauls somebody. They'll blame the people. They will blame the people. They will venerate the actions of an animal and not that of the human. People would prefer to see a human die than an animal. That's right. I remember the time where the gorilla, a long time ago, child had gotten near the fence or whatever at some kind of a zoo and got pulled in. And nobody wanted the gorilla shot. There was an infant child or like a young child in the cage. And this big old giant silverback gorilla was just running back and forth. And the child's life was in severe danger. But nobody wanted that animal shot and the child saved. Same thing happens if you talk about people. They're out in other countries. They have dangerous animals like lions. If people lived in there, they would understand the dangers that these giant exotic animals pose to the people. They killed them. But sitting here in America, people, when they hear about these animals that are dying, like lions in particular, or tigers, they issue death threats to people who kill these animals. They would prefer there to be a rampant animals of, like, lions everywhere and killing humans than they would to protect humans. Because the life of the animal is being taught to our children as more important than our own. We have organizations like PETA, you know, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, which they're not wrong about everything. We're not allowed to just abuse animals. We're not allowed just to chop them up and just throw them in the ground for no reason unless they're dangerous or otherwise. You have people that are going into things like veganism, where the veganisms, of course, are not going to eat anything with byproducts of animals in them. So no eggs, no milks, no nothing. The animals have to be venerated to the level of the human. You're not allowed to take from them anything because, after all, would you want your own children to be chopped up and put into a grocery store to be sold? Would you want that? How dare you? There are people who are part of these activist groups who will walk around and put roses in the little 
beef and chicken areas where you're buying your, your meats, as if someone had died there, if this was some kind of a graveyard where you're supposed to remember these people, they'll walk over and put names on them as if these were the same level of a human, that you're not allowed to kill and eat animals. This is something that humans should not be doing. Because after all, their position is the same as ours. Absolute exact same. There's no difference in position, responsibility, or anything besides that of an animal and a human. You have eco-terrorists who are out there who are concerned about the environment. And some of these are animals as well for animal activists who will kill other people who are doing things that they think are either chopping down trees or if they are, let's say, a, a chicken butchery place, they will destroy these places and, in fact, kill people to try to prevent these things from being done. The animals' lives are viewed higher than your own, much higher than your own. See, the concept of zoolatry, we think that for some reason to have a religious belief, deification, as you will, has to be some kind of organized religion. Well, that's just not the case. Religious belief is something that is ingrained into a person which they absolutely believe to be true and then act on it. And that's what these are. These are religions. Zoology and eco-activisms, uh, Gaiaism is another one, Mother Earth. See, the solution to the problem of, like, zoology is a return to man's responsibilities as God's caretaker over the created order. Man must return and also relearn how to properly care for the world and the creatures that God made and designed for it. See, mankind was given there in the book of Genesis. He was created in God's image. He was not like the other creatures. He is unique. He is a living soul. No other creature is a living soul like man. None. After the fall, God said that man was allowed to eat the other creatures, just not drink blood, but could not kill man. Man was off the dinner table, you could say. Cannibalism, not allowed. All the other creatures, in fact, were allowed. So when you have people that are vegans and vegetarians and saying that this is wrong, this is anti-biblical, this is anti-Christian theology. Now, when you have people who want tr animals treated ethically, that's a good thing. When you want people to have responsibility in how we treat the environment, that's a good thing. But there are limits, and those limits do not progress to the harming of mankind. That's different. When man governs the world under God, both man, animals, and the environment will prosper and thrive in harmony. Currently, we are in complete disharmony. The world is out of harmony with itself because man is first out of harmony with God. So parents, teachers, our jobs are to teach the proper roles. This is how we can get out of these things. Explaining how God created the world. It's not chaos. It's not chance. It's not evolution. We must get rid of the ideas that man is unimportant or he's just another animal. That's just not true. It's one of the biggest lies that the educational system has been spouting since its inception. Since its inception. When the concept of evolution was brought into a school, let's say the government schools, this is to undermine Christianity at its core.
it's going to destroy both man and animal and the world. And this is why we have a problem. We do have to fix the world, but we can't fix the world without first addressing man and his sin. And that's why Christian parents and Christian teachers, why we are so important. We must bring people back to God. God not only gave us these responsibilities, his high callings, but he also has made a way for us to come back, like the prodigal son. We can climb out of the pig pen. We can get the dirt off ourselves. We can go back to the Father that we are supposed to have. We can be brought back to our important responsibilities and calling to govern this world in a godly manner, returning the dignity of mankind, the dignity of the animal, the dignity of the world itself under Christ and under God. But that's going to take some work. But that's why the world needs Christians, needs Christian parents, most importantly. And it also needs Christian teachers. Now I want to move on to my second part I'd like to talk about, which is kind of the current state of education. Because I like to talk about topics, kind of like we did with zoology. But I like to talk about what we're currently dealing with on these podcast episodes because I want us to kind of see, are we just talking here or are there real problems in the world? And if there are real problems in the world, what are the solutions to those? Because we can talk all day, but people can deny that there are real problems. But when you're looking at what the current state of education is in our world, in our states, in America, or around the world, we can then start to see some of the problems. Here's a big one that I found. Saw it this week. It was in the news. Oregon. The headline reads, Oregon again says that students don't need to prove mastery of reading, writing, or math to graduate, citing harm to students of color. Here in the title, we have attempts at manipulation versus the concept of racism, the boogeyman of the world. That's racist. Well, let's go ahead and see what it actually talks about. Now, in here... As a lot of stuff, I'm going to read some quotes from the article itself. Basically, it comes down to is that they don't want there to be a test for people to graduate school, so 12th grade, and saying that these children can read, can write, or can do arithmetic. They don't want that. Uh, mastery just meaning that you know how to do it. It's not even talking about the level that you can do it, just that you know how to read, write, and, and do arithmetic. So let's go ahead and jump into this because I find this to be beyond staggering. So let's go ahead and read it. Darzen, a former member of the legislature, wrote that she had opposed the 2021 bill that suspended the requirement in the first place. Oregon doesn't need to decrease standards, she wrote, but create and act on a concrete plan to increase students' academic achievement. That sounds pretty good, right? Continuing. The board failed to discuss the responsibility for lagging academic achievement in our state. Instead, they cast the blame on a tool used to measure a student's ability to read, write, and do math. Darzen said in a news release sent after the vote, It's disappointing that these unelected bureaucrats decided to ignore public comment and continue down a path that neglects their responsibility to help students meet high standards. Unquote. Now, the interesting thing here is that that's what school boards are, unelected bureaucrats. These are government schools. Now, these government bureaucrats of these school boards don't want children 
to prove that they can read, write, and do math? Now, why would that be? Well, maybe because government schools, well, maybe perhaps they aren't uh, educational facilities for reading, writing, arithmetic. Maybe they're educational facilities for something else. We'll get to that in a minute. Continuing, Whitney Grubbs, Executed Director for Foundations for a Better Oregon, a collaborative project of Oregon-based foundations that advocates for educational equity among other school reforms, wrote in public testimony that pausing or ending graduation requirements without proposing more effective and equitable alternatives risks leading Oregonians to believe that our state is lowering expectations to artificially mask disparities. Let's stop there for a second. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. They want to get rid of standards so they can't show that their schools are completely failing all of its students. Because a school, traditional educational institution, is supposed to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. And if you get rid of the fact that you're proving that your students can't do that, then you have to prove that you are a complete failure. Now, you have to remember this is Oregon, the same place as in Portland, which has been a complete liberal, liberal hellhole for many years. And it's not surprising that they are failing their educational standards and educational goals. They're not educational institutions anymore. Let's continue. And it reinforces false and prejudiced ideas that students' demographics dictate their academic success. As Argonians, we hold high expectations for students because we believe in the boundless potential of the children. Grubb's testimony said, We urge state leaders to articulate a plan for holding Oregon's education system accountable for demonstrating whether and how it is supporting all students to meet graduation requirements, unquote. Now, you can tell the people understand, at least some of these people, know that what's going on is disgusting. These supposed government-based educational institutions, which they're supposed to be, should be teaching reading, writing, arithmetic, and maybe toss in some history and some other things in between. That's not what they're doing. So, they are schools educational institution that don't teach educational goals. So you have to ask yourself, what are they teaching then? Those kids are there over eight hours a day. They're there 180 days a year. If they can't read, write, or do math, what exactly are they doing for eight hours a day? Hmm? And why is it they're saying that this is a person of color problem? Hmm? Why is it they're separating this out as if what they call, quote-unquote, white kids can do reading, writing, and arithmetic, and the, quote-unquote, children of color can't? Doesn't it show that the government schools would be the failures here? It's not showing anything. It's really not about the students. And I hate the fact that they bring up this, you know, race problem at all, because that shouldn't matter for a school, for an institution— why would this matter? Why is this something to focus on at all? Isn't a student a student? Why must people bring up the color of someone's skin, their heritage, their nationality? Why bring this in? It's all there for a smokescreen to prove and point out the fact that the government schools are not educational facilities. They're not. They're not teaching reading, writing, arithmetic. That's not their goals. When they brought in Common Core Math many years ago, which here in Florida has thankfully finally been rejected, they were destroying math. If you are not familiar as a parent or as an educator, you didn't run into this stuff. It was insane. 
It was insane. This is not how anyone does math. And it was undiscernible. It separated parent from child because the parents, like my age, we know how to read, write, and do arithmetic. This isn't complicated stuff because it's not. But they did this to separate us. And the children, they separate the child from actual education. Now let's go ahead and talk about one thing that I also found. Because I'm going to have some closing thoughts here in a second. But let's talk about primals. That's right, pride, space, animals. Instead of animals, primals. Now what's a primal? This I got from the internet. It was in a school, I think it was middle school, they said, where there are animals, and it's a poster. And you guessed it, pride, meaning the sexual deviancy and the systematic teaching of it to children in schools. So we're not going to be teaching reading, writing, or arithmetic, but let's teach you about sexual deviancy. You can figure out which category you want to fit into. And they have animals. And they had animals up there. One looked like a tiger, purple and pink. And they called it a biger. You get it? Bisexual, a biger. There's a bunny. And the bunny was titled a lesbian. Oh, a lesbian. Oh, so wonderful. There was a dinosaur. And it looks kind of like a blue dinosaur, like a T-Rex, you could say. They called it a trans Asaurus Rex. Trans Asaurus. Spelled A S S A U R U S Rex. Trans Asaurus Rex. That's amazing. This is really important stuff to teach middle schoolers about. Yeah. How about the alligator? He's got lots of different colors red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, what you would expect. And he's called an Alley Gay Tor. Hmm. Don't worry about what's two times two. Don't want that. You want to know about the alligator. Hmm. One of my favorites was a zebra. Purple hair, purple tail. And they called it a zebra ally. So this one isn't necessarily a sexual deviant. I guess the zebra is just an ally of those who are. Um... I think just two more here, and we should kind of make our point. One was called a gender... Oh, this was a, a goose. Yeah, a goose. And this one was called a gender quack ear. E-E-R, as in queer. Gender quack ear. So we got to teach kids not English, but let's teach them about uh, being queer. And last but not least, one of my favorite. Uh, it's a bumblebee. You guessed it, Bumblebee. And it's a non-B-E-E-Nary. So it's a non-binary. So we can't teach children about reading, writing, or arithmetic. We are going to teach them about sexual deviancy and try to figure out which category you might fit into. So they are sexualizing children in government schools. Now, to which degree and to how far it's spread and to which schools specifically or how soon it'll be before it gets to yours, who's to tell? But as Christian parents and Christian school teachers, this should be very, very far from us. See, they are teaching about sexual deviancy, but they don't want you teaching about how God created sex, made man, male and female, and how they are supposed to marry, become one flesh, and start a family with children and become responsible together, because that's hate. 
taking children and putting them into 180 days, eight hours a day educational facilities and then not educating them, but teaching them about sexual deviancy and how to identify it. That's loving? No, it's, it's not. It's, uh, you could go quackery. See, educational institutions or quote-unquote schools that are not concerned with reading, writing, and arithmetic have ceased to be schools or educational institutions. The quote-unquote government schools in America are gradually revealing that they are designed for and their purpose is. But what is it? What is their design? What's their purpose? Well, it's the systematic overthrowing of the religious and social foundations of America. And if you didn't know, those are Christian religious social foundations. Yeah, I know America's got its problems. It certainly does, and it always has. But it is a systematic Christian religious foundational approach. It needs a whole lot of reformation, and it was never perfect at the beginning. But if you notice, in so many areas, America is getting better. And those areas, they hate. We can make America better and better but only by bringing, as a Christian parent and Christian teachers, our students closer to God. See, they want to replace here we have in America with a humanistic religious and social foundation, but only in its full revelation, which would be the enthronement of man as God over other man and masters of the future. This is goes by so many names, you could say, uh, socialism, communism, go back to Russia's history, go back to China's history, go to North Korea, go to the Viet Cong, and you will see roads lined with the skulls of those other men that they've murdered, that they've destroyed. The Black Book of Communism touts millions and millions, hundreds of mil millions of lives lost in, man's, lost in man's attempts to be God. But this is what they think the future is built on, the lives of other people. See, they don't care about man because they care about the animal, back to our zoology. But they really want to destroy man because man represents something, something he can't get away from no matter what he tries. He represents the image of God, and that's what they want to destroy. So that boot stomping on the face of men forever that Orwell talked about in 1984. That was his view, vision of the future because he was a humanist who saw the world rightly but saw no solution. See, all these things are just new towers of Babel where men rise higher and higher in their attempted godhood by standing on their fellow man and crushing them underneath, just like Orwell said. But the solution to all this is not complicated. The solution is quite clear, if I was to say so. It's that we need to bring back godliness in our lives. We need to bring back godliness in our homes, in our families, in our schools. We need to bring it back into every area of life. That's why Christian parents and Christian teachers are so important. And we can do it with God's help. Well, thank you for joining me. This is Jeremy Walker, Preschool Pioneers, Episode 26, signing off. We'll see you on Season 2. Thank you, and God bless.